Hello everyone, this is Tony Kramer, product specialist with RDO Equipment Company, and you are listening to the Agriculture Technology Podcast. Every day there are phenomenal advancements being made in the field of agriculture technology. RDO Equipment Company is a leader in agriculture equipment and precision agriculture technology and is here with industry experts bringing the latest news and information from RDO and John Deere. Thanks for joining us on the Agriculture Technology Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 84, and today we are going to be talking to the Minnesota Millennial Farmer. Just a little note to our listeners, we're trying something a little different with this podcast episode. We have an animated video version of this podcast available on YouTube. That's right. All my childhood dreams have come true. I get to be a cartoon. Now, you're welcome to continue listening to this episode like you normally do on whichever podcasting platform you utilize, or you can find the link to the video in our show notes. I really encourage you to go check out the video because it's unlike anything you've ever probably seen before with a podcast. So just take my word for it and go check it out. As always, you can take a moment to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel and social media feeds. We will periodically be sharing video versions of this podcast episode throughout the year. Now with that, uh, let's get back to the show. I am really excited to record this episode. I am here and and I want to welcome Zach Johnson, who most of you are probably going to know him better as the Minnesota Millennial Farmer. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Zach. To get started, let's hear a little bit more about you and your background and how you got to where you are today. Well, I'm a fifth generation farmer. Uh, My dad and I currently farm about 2,400 acres of corn and soybeans in West Central Minnesota. My wife and I have three kids of our own, and we're currently fostering our 17-year-old niece, so we've got a full house. Um, We just bought the family farmhouse uh, from my parents, so we're actually on site now, so that's going to be a big change for us. So far, things are going good with that. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I started the channel a couple years ago just to try and reach out to people, and uh, everything has just exploded on me. So uh, let's dive into it right away. Your YouTube channel. Over 200,000 followers, subscribers. Where did this idea come from? Why does a farmer in West Central Minnesota start a YouTube channel? I started it really just to try and reach people and try to reach consumers and and reach non-farmers about what really goes on on the farms out here and and why we do the things we do. You know, when it comes down to it, there, there is a lot of negativity when it comes to farming out there. It's unfortunate, but you can go online and find all kinds of stuff about farming that is either not true or it's half true, and and people just don't understand the full uh, picture of what we do out here and the the fact that we are still family farms out here working hard and taking a lot of pride in maintaining the land and and taking care of the natural resources and growing food in in an efficient way and, and doing things right. And so we really... We don't have stuff to hide, and I just wanted to get that idea out there saying, this is who I am, this is who my family is, you know, I work alongside my dad every day, this is what we do, and this is why we do it, and I'm not hiding anything. So you can come to the channel, you can see what we do on the farms, and hopefully you'll kind of see me and my family as a real family and people that you can trust if you have questions about the safety and the quality of your food or how we treat our natural resources. 
it's really cool to hear about the reasons. And I know we got a, a reason we started this podcast kind of similar. It's something to a different form of media to reach people. And it sounds like the YouTube channel was kind of the same for you. Before we get into more of the logistics, so this YouTube channel, your YouTube channel, like I said, over 200,000 subscribers, it's obviously grown a lot over time. When did you start it? And did you ever think it'd get to where it is today? <laughs> I, so I started the channel in uh, early 2016, probably about a week or two before we started planting. My original idea was to start it in the spring, follow me through with, with our tillage, our planting, move on to spring, you know, we'll follow the crop, we'll move in through harvest and sort of document at my own pace, whatever I wanted as a hobby, just kind of document what we're doing every day. Uh, and not necessarily every day, but when I started out, it was, um, I'd take my phone out and I would hit record and then uh, I would record a three, four, five minute video of me talking and explaining something pretty much random. Just when I had a chance, I would, I would turn the phone on and take that video and hit upload and send it to YouTube. Um, and for the first year, that's really what I did. First year and a half, really, that's kind of what I did. Um, I, I got a GoPro and some editing software and started kind of messing around with that. Um, and I was really happy with that, with the way that it changed, sort of kept the videos moving a lot better because you could cut out any of the dead air and the dead time. You could go from one thing to another and keep the video moving. And I thought you could really keep it more interesting. It took a little bit more work. Uh, but at the time, I was only making a video maybe every couple of weeks. You know, I really didn't have a, a set goal for how many I was going to make. I just made one when I had a chance and when I had time. And then uh, early fall, early harvest of 2017, I had a couple of videos that just exploded on me and the channel started growing and I went from uh, 7,000 subscribers all the way up to uh, 20,000 during harvest and then 25 and by the end of it, by the time the ground had frozen that year in 17, I was up to 30,000 subscribers. And uh, we started making more videos. We were making more during harvest. I think that was big for our growth. Um, but really now in the last uh, 14, 16 months, 18 months here, we've worked really hard at it. We've spent a lot of time kind of behind the scenes, not just on creating the videos, but we've, we've really been working hard behind the scenes, working with people like you in this podcast and and just trying to, to connect with people and work with people and try to grow our brand and and things have gone crazy behind the scenes as well you know the 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 youtube channel is still my main focus it's still what i do and the foundation of trying to connect to people is there but now uh we're connecting to people through all kinds of different mediums you know every social media platform and and podcasts and everything and yeah I, no i never saw anything getting getting to this point i mean this has just been uh insane you know it's just crazy every, every day i wonder you know what i why, why has this happened? Why is, you know, I, I just never saw myself in this position, but now we're here. So we're going to work hard at it and see what comes of it. There you go. That's, it's really neat to hear your perspective on it that you never expected to be here. I'm not a, a huge uh, YouTube guy with the subscribing and, and things like that, but are you ever going to expect one of those fancy little gold play buttons in your mailbox someday? You know, I got the silver one a couple of months ago. Um, I actually, the silver play button for 100,000 subscribers showed up on the day that I hit 200,000. So, I mean, the, the gold one, for, for those who don't know, most people listening to this probably don't know. I didn't know until about four months ago that this was a thing. But So you get a little plaque, they call it a silver play button when you hit 100,000 subscribers. When you hit a million subscribers, you get the gold play button. 
Uh, a million subscribers is a, is a long ways away. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would hope to hit that, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to put it in stone and say that, that that's the ultimate goal, but hey, that'd be cool. I would agree. That would be pretty awesome. A, a farmer in West Central Minnesota with a gold play button. Let's go back a little bit. You talked about some of the logistics and the equipment, how you started out using your cell phone. Now you got a GoPro. It, you don't have a camera crew out there in the field. It's just you with, with the equipment that you're using. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about how how you use it, how you're setting up cameras, taking them down, or, or whatever it looks like when you are catching this video footage. Well, you, you know, making the videos like that is something that you can make as simple or as complicated as you want it. As I said, when I started out, I used my cell phone for everything. I didn't edit anything down. I took the video and I hit upload. And it was as simple as that. There's, there's a lot of successful uh, YouTubers or creators out there that do that same thing. Um, as I mentioned, I got a GoPro. I found, it, uh, I found it good because I could sort of chop my day up and piece it together into a 10-minute video and keep it moving. And I thought that was great. I still use the GoPro a fair amount. What I use it more for now is getting those unique shots, those unique angles. I've got a, a magnetic mount on it. So I can put it in these really unique locations. It's waterproof and dustproof. And, and to be honest with you, if something happens to it, it's not that expensive. So I, I put that GoPro in places that it probably shouldn't be and try to get some unique camera angles just for some transition shots and stuff like that. I don't use it often anymore for my main camera just because I, I struggled with the audio on it being bad sometimes. Uh, you can get a, a better audio, sort of an external audio system for it, which, which works well for a lot of people. But for me, it was sort of clumsy and awkward to carry around all day. So I've got a, a Canon. It's the G7X model, they call it. It's a really small camera. Um, it's smaller than my cell phone, a little bit thicker, but it, it fits right in my pocket. And I carry that thing in the, in the pocket of my jacket, uh, all harvest. And when there's something that, that needs to be talked about or something interesting, I take that camera out and I talk to it. And then at the end of the day, I can piece that together with some GoPro shots. Once in a while, I'll, I'll have some drone shots in there. So I do have a drone that I send up, not real often, you know, but, but it's there for some unique shots when I want it. But as I said, I mean, you can make it as, as complicated as you want to. Um, and for me, it can't be too complicated. I have to have the, the capability of carrying that stuff with me all day. And if it's, if it's clumsy and awkward and big, then I'm not going to carry it around. You talked about carrying that camera with you all day and, and having it at the ready, at the go. Growing up from a farming family, working in the agriculture industry, I know farmers that they, they don't want to take the time to slow down to eat lunch, let alone record some video footage. I watching the one when you're uh, the rear axle on your combine had broke and you're there recording. There's a lot of farmers that that would be angry and upset. How much time and effort goes into recording and editing and getting this stuff out to the public? Um, as far as recording, most of the time I try and do my recording while I'm actually working. So you'll notice I'm walking from spot to spot or I'm, I'm driving the tractor or, you know, I'm, I'm walking through the yard whatever I'm doing. That's when I try to turn the camera on and, and get my point across as I'm being active. So you can actually, you can see me working while I'm doing this. You know, a lot of times that's difficult with one hand, but that's what I try and do as far as recording behind the scenes. Editing does take again, as little or as much time as you want to make it. I've typically taken the stance of keeping it simple. I don't add a lot of fancy music or anything like that. I pretty well chop my day up and, and put it online and 
when I have added music, I, I actually sometimes get a, a good amount of complaints on it because people want to hear the tractors or they want to hear, they want to hear the machines working. They don't want to hear uh, any of this music or noise. They'll call it, you know. So I, I guess I, I keep it simple. Here's what I'm doing, and here's why I'm doing it. That's a good point. That just like you said, the you can make it as simple or as complex as you want. And I know that uh, I've dabbled in the the YouTube video a, a few times and yeah, it really eats up a lot of time when you try to make it fancy and add music and stuff. So it's really cool also to hear that, that the listener viewers, I guess on YouTube, they want to, they want to hear the tractor sounds, whether it's the engine or yeah. it's the displays beeping or, right. or giving you warnings. So it's really neat to hear that that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the raw, the raw real life uh, perspective. Yeah. They, they want the authenticity of it. You know, that that's what they want. Do you have, and, and I don't want to ask you to give away any trade secrets out there, but do you have any advice for anybody that wants to start a YouTube channel or dabble in it a little? You know, again, I would just say you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. You know, I touched on having the small camera so it fits in my pocket because it has to be easy for me to get that footage. If getting the footage is not simple and quick, then I can't do it because I'm working all the time as I do this. You know, the, the GoPro comes in handy. If we have a breakdown, you mentioned where we had the combine breakdown. That was a little awkward trying to walk around the combine and get that on camera because, you know, who wants to do that when you've got a major breakdown? Uh, but we had a minute where we were waiting for the deer guys to come out with some parts and come out with some jacks and some stuff like that. And so we had a minute to stand there. So I took the camera out and I walked around and, and kind of showed what was going on. But the fact is, when you have a breakdown and you're busy, I'm not going to stick the camera in people's faces. So what I'll do is throw the GoPro up on the magnetic mount somewhere and just let it run. And at least half the time, the guys don't even know it's on, you know, and then I cut that 20 minutes of work down into a, a 10 second clip and, and you, the, the viewer still gets a feel for my day and what we did that day. So again, keep it as simple or as complicated as you want and really do your own thing. I mean, that's what YouTube is about. You know, you just create your own thing and people that like what you're doing will be drawn to whatever it is, whatever comes out of your mind and whatever you want to do. Yeah. It, like you said, that to be able to get the the real the real life authentic footage, what's going on, it goes back to what you were saying about how you you just want to promote the agriculture industry and you want to show the what really happens. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. It, there's things that happen. Going back to what you kind of said about why you started this podcast and where it's going today, the promoting agriculture talking about how showing non-farmers or non-agriculture industry people what it's like and why we do what we do why is that important to you i think it's important that the industry itself just has people that are willing to you know put ourselves out there and talk about what we do because as i said we don't have have stuff to hide um and i think a lot of the times a good amount of farmers are sort of poor at communicating because we're busy. You know, I mean, a lot of farmers would never imagine creating a YouTube video about what they're doing on the farm. We're busy. We, we don't want to take that time to worry about those things. But the fact is that some people should do that because we need voices out there for the industry. And, and I just saw an opportunity where I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. I think maybe I'd be good at this. And, and if I'm not, you know, I'm not out anything other than a little bit of time. It was not an expensive ordeal. I, I just really believe that 
as an industry that I care about and as, as an industry that's so good to me and something that's my passion, you know, my livelihood, I, I really believe that uh, we just need positive voices out there for the industry so that we can get our message out there because people do want to know what we do out here. And if nobody's talking about what we do out here and all they're reading is bad comments online, then, then it's going to seem like we're being secretive. And if we can get a few voices out there as positive voices for farming, then, then maybe it won't seem quite so secretive if some of us are willing to actually talk about things like GMOs and pesticides uh, and drain tile. And, and let's just talk about why we use those things, because the fact is that we're real people with real families out here. With that comment of having farmers or people involved in the egg industry kind of going out there and promoting, what are ways other people, maybe they're not promoting agriculture today, but what are ways that you see that people can get out there and help promote the ag industry? There's more opportunities now than there ever has been. You can jump online. You can create any form of social media. If you want to do something simple, you can jump on Snapchat or Instagram. Or if Facebook is what you know and that's what you like, you can jump on there. Uh, you can start a YouTube channel and you can make your videos way more edited and complicated than what I'm doing. I mean, there are so many different ways. A lot of people have uh, gone the way of blogging. You know, that's gotten popular with a lot of people to just start a website and write about what you do on, on the farm and, and then maybe write a little bit about your family as well. So just just do something so that people can get to know you and be yourself. Um, don't try to be, you know, somebody else. Don't try to be a celebrity. Don't try to be a professional at what you're doing. Just be yourself. And I really think that is a huge part of what draws people into people that are successful on social media because people can see through that if you're trying to be someone you're not. And if you don't have anything to hide and you want to get the information out there, just be honest with people. And, you know, you're, you'll get some naysayers. Uh, but the thing is, is that we need to reach the 80 or 90% of people who just genuinely are curious about what we do. Um, the people who already have their minds made up that we're, we're doing only bad things out here, you know, we probably aren't going to change their minds. So let's try to influence the other people in a positive way so that they're not being influenced by the noisy ones who assume that everything we do is wrong. So there's so many ways out there to, to simply get a little bit of a message out there without spending a lot of time or money at it. That's a really good point you bring up, Zach, just the, the pure honesty and education side of things. Like you said, you're always going to have the naysayers, the people that don't believe or the people that have their own opinions. And we're all entitled to our own opinions. Sure. Yep. If we as an ag industry, whether it's you and your YouTube channel, uh, audio equipment and this podcast that we're doing, if we can just use our voices to positively promote the agriculture industry and better educate the people, like you said, that are just genuinely curious, I think that's the, the biggest thing that anybody can do uh, in terms of promoting the agriculture industry. Yeah, absolutely. With the growth of your YouTube channel, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people reach out to you, leave comments, things like that. Do you have any sort of a success story that you'd like to share with our listeners about something that at the end of the day, you, with what you did on your YouTube channel, it helped somebody or it just really put a smile on your face? I think specifically, there's so many things and so many individual things that I would just consider, you know, the entire thing really a success. But what jumps out at me is number one is the kids. I get so many comments from parents who talk about how their kid gets home from school and he just wants to watch the millennial farmer right away. 
And so, you know, I'm living in the living room with, with these kids at home and some of those kids are farmers. Some of those kids are non-farmers, but I always try to remember at this point, and it didn't start out this way, but with the amount of comments I get now on it, I, I have to remember all the time at this point that there are tons of kids watching. So whatever I do, I try to influence them in a way that I would want my kids to be influenced. And so it's always going to be, you know, family friendly and, and kid friendly. Um, I'll throw some, some adult jokes in there that hopefully go over the kids' heads, but but, you know, the, the, the videos themselves are going to be kid-friendly. So I think if we just get in those living rooms and, and influence those kids in a positive way, then they're going to they're gonna start to grow up with a positive feeling about agriculture. To me, that is paramount. Just reaching those kids early on and showing them that farmers are good people, then that is a success story right there. You know, I've got several unique ones some really awesome comments uh, from from people that grow up in the cities and who have told me that, you know, they never gave it a second thought when they'd go to the grocery store about uh, where their food came from or why they should care. And all of a sudden, for some reason, they stumbled across my channel and, and now they really have a, a new respect for what we do out here and for the way that we live compared to the way maybe they live in, in LA or New York or, or Atlanta or places like that. And, uh, you know, that's always awesome to hear because those originally were the people that I really wanted to reach. And those are the people I think is, is a successful thing to reach. Um, I've gotten messages from nurses at uh, dementia wards who say that the old farmers in their dementia wards start to get nervous when they know it's time for the crops to get harvested and stuff like that. And they, they start to get a little bit angry that they can't get out there and do the work. Well, they'll throw on uh, the millennial farmer and they said it, they'll sit there and watch that and it calms them down because they feel like the work is getting done. Somebody's out there doing the work. Everything's going to be okay. And I've gotten three or four, you know, private messages from nurses that, that have told me that. And to me, that's just such a unique thing. I mean, you know, obviously that isn't something that I ever thought was, was something that I would get to hear. So there's so many success stories out there. I think that it's just the overall, the whole thing has just been, been crazy. That is absolutely awesome. Those, those stories that you just shared are a lot of things that I never even thought of the, I suppose nowadays with the, the kids and the YouTube and everything, that is so cool that these kids are being educated at a young age about agriculture if they don't come from a farming background. And then that last one you shared about the, the nurses and the old farmers, it, it, it just kind of warms a guy's heart to, right. to you originally think you're just out there to, to educate on what you're doing on the farm, but it comes down to, I mean, an old farmer that has no ties to the farm anymore and he finds comfort in watching your channel. That's just a, a really, it's gotta be such a cool feeling for you. It is, you know, and, and that, that's really the unique thing that I've learned about what I'm doing right now on my channel is that I'm reaching people from, you know, the age of two to the age of a hundred. Everybody likes machinery. Everybody likes hard work. Everybody likes to see what we're doing out here. What we do is unique. And, and so the people, those of us who do it, we love it. We like to do it all day long. And then we go home at night and we watch the millennial farmer do it on YouTube. Uh, I get a lot of stuff like that. Guys talking like they're crazy. They farm all day. They come home and they watch farming, you know, and then you've got kids. Kids obviously love machinery. They love tractors and combines and semis and that kind of stuff. And it's just such a broad range of people that we can reach with this. And I think that's really the unique thing is that you learn that, that so many people really truly are interested in what we do. And, and that's cool. I, I will uh, 
honestly say I am one of those people that I am in immersed in the egg industry all day long and I go home or, or maybe during my lunch break I flip over to the Millennial Farmer channel and just see what's new on the the Johnson farm in West Central Minnesota because it it's unique and and me being in the egg industry it's always fun to see what's going on out there who's doing what why are things different I, uh, the education it's not it's not so much the education standpoint for me it's just learning and seeing what other people are doing so there's many different perspectives on why someone would subscribe to your channel and watch what you do with that all of the information that you shared with us Zach I'm sure there's so much more we could sit here and talk for hours, but if someone wants to learn more, get in touch with you, where can they go? Who can they talk to? Well, the first thing you can do is uh, if you wanted to get in touch with me, you can go to my website. There's an email address on there. It's mnmillennialfarmer.com. Uh, millennial is two L's and two N's. That gets a lot of people. I had to look that up several times myself before I created the channel just to make sure that's a tricky word. You can go to uh, Millennial Farmer pretty much on anything, and you'll find me there. The big one is obviously YouTube. You know, type in uh, MN Millennial Farmer or even just Millennial Farmer, and you'll find me. Same thing with Instagram and Facebook. It shouldn't be difficult to find. I just want to thank you, Zach, for taking the time to sit down with me, get this wonderful break we like to call winter up here in the upper Midwest, and uh, have some opportunities to do some fun stuff like this. So thanks again for sitting down and sharing your insight on uh, advocating for agriculture and utilizing your YouTube channel to do that. Yeah, thanks for coming out here. I've enjoyed it. This podcast was produced and edited by Nate Dorsey. Visit rdoequipment.com slash podcast to listen to new episodes and catch up on any that you've missed. You can also listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Android devices so that you'll never miss out on the latest news and technology from RDO Equipment and John Deere. If you really like this podcast, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or any of the other social media platforms that you are using. You can also connect with me on Twitter at RDO Tony K. That's at R-D-O-T-O-N-Y-K where you can tweet me questions, episode feedback, or ideas for future topics to cover. Please join us next time on the Agriculture Technology Podcast.